Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome back to today's episode of Guyani Sports Pod Volume 2, the soon-to-be-number-one sports podcast in the world. My name is Sean Guyani. Uh, we got a lot to uh, get to today. Uh, it's, um... I guess you can call it a sad episode, right? Actually, no, it's really not a sad episode because, I mean, you can't be sad for a team that did not come, that showed no effort, looked completely mentally checked out, um, had no energy and no enthusiasm really to win uh, an elimination game in the championship round. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, if you couldn't tell, that's how the uh, energy of the show is going to be like today. That's what it's going to be like today. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, old news, uh, a couple of days old. Uh, but I mean, if you haven't heard by now, um, which I really don't blame you, uh, the Celtics, or I guess now nah, the Warriors, won the NBA Finals. Uh, I guess you could say the Celtics did lose. They lost the NBA Finals. They didn't seem to want to win Game Six uh, when they were on the ropes. Uh, so. I guess you could say that the Celtics did lose because they didn't try. Uh, very, very obviously did not try to win game six. It was disgusting, really. It was really disgusting. I thought about just turning it off. I didn't. I watched the whole game. Uh, I don't know why I hate myself. But, man, that was not that was not pretty. Not at all pretty. Um. I mean, like the next the next day, like I was asked if I was asked if I was sad that the Celtics lost, and I'm like, no, no, you can't be sad for a team that didn't compete, because they didn't, they did not compete. They went out there, the Warriors went out there, and only one of those teams looked ready to win this game. Now it's the Warriors, and I mean, I hate that I'm talking like this about the Celtics because they played so well. They were such a fun team to watch over the last, I don't know how many games. They were such a fun team to watch. I was a fan. I was a real good fan of this team until game six came around, and I'm like, oh, all right, well, we're back to our old ways of not having much effort, not really caring, and uh, straight up just not trying to go out there and give it your best. And it's sad. It's sad that that was the national performance, the countrywide, all eyes on you. You come out there in the elimination game, and uh, that's how you play. I'm surprised. I really am surprised. I did not think they would have gone down like that, but they did, and uh, can't do much about it. Uh, it's always next season. There's always next season. Uh Let's just hope that next season they, uh, I don't know, are a lot better and don't have a mid-season turnaround but are consistently good all year. That's the one thing that I want to hit on for next season for the Celtics. Be good all season like you were for the last half of the season. Of this season. Um... Because, I mean, honestly, like, if you think about it, if we had, I don't know, a couple more games, um, if we had won a couple more games earlier in the year that we lost, that we should have won, I don't know, 
but maybe we would have had home court advantage. I don't know how that works. I know that the Warriors did have more wins than the Celtics in the regular season, so maybe that's why they got home court advantage. But, I mean, this year, I don't know if that really would have played a factor. I did pick the Warriors in six um, a couple episodes ago, uh, so I'm kind of happy that my prediction came right. Uh, but as a Celtics fan, which I'm that first more than I am, I guess, like a analyst or, I guess, podcaster. I'm just going to call myself a podcaster. Um, I'm a Celtics fan first. I'm a podcaster second. My fan wanted the Celtics to win. My podcaster self knew that the Celtics were not going to win. And uh, they showed it. I didn't think they would have. I didn't think they were going to lose like this. I thought it would have been a competitive series. But, uh, no. No, it became very, very clear uh, after the Game 4 loss uh, that, all right, here come the Warriors. Warriors are about to take over. And sure enough, they did. And they won Game 4, Game 5, Game 6, and eventually the series in 6. So, that's just, um, that's just how it goes with this team. That's how it went with this series. I mean, the Warriors... Sure, they missed the playoffs the last two years, but before that, where were they? In the finals, and they were winning. And if they weren't winning, they were losing to teams that were just much better than them at that point. Raptors, they lost, um, I think, Kevin Durant in that series. Um, I think, um, no, Clay Thompson. Um, it was just down to Steph and the bench. Um and I guess Draymond, but I mean, I love I love Draymond, Spartan dog for life. But man, I am I'm good for a couple months of not having to hear about Draymond Green anymore. Um, and unfortunately, with the way that my Twitter timeline set up, I can't avoid seeing Draymond Green like every time I open Twitter. Man, I I, I mean, I love I love the I guess clapping back that he's doing. But, all right, it's time to uh, stop it. Like, more than two days after you win the chi- the championship, you can stop. And he did not stop. And I think he carried over into the uh, parade yesterday. Um, all the chirping that he was doing. But, all right, it's it's uh, time to calm down, Draymond. Um, I love you. I love you. But, man, you got, it's time to uh, calm down a little bit. Please. Please, for my sanity. Um so that was the Raptors series where it was kind of just Steph and Dre. And uh, then the Cleveland series that they just, I don't know, collapsed. Um, don't remember much, but I know that they just collapsed. And I don't know. That that that's in, that that happened. So really, I mean, the Warriors are still in their dynasty. Yes, they missed the playoffs in the last two years, but they made the finals the, four, the previous four years before that or five years before that. And... Uh, are back and are 100% healthy and they got more guys around them that are not as good as, say, Steph and Clay a couple of years ago. But they are they were impactful and they they put the dagger in the Celtics a couple of times. I mean, Jordan Poole, we saw what he was doing offensively. I mean, the guy's dog shit on defense, but offensively, the guy was in like every shot. And like every time, he got, every time Jordan Poole got the ball, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, just please don't don't shoot it. Don't shoot it because somehow it's going to go in. It's like a magnet. He like puts, a ma- puts a magnet inside the ball every time he touches it. 
So that way, when it goes into the, when you shoot it, it just gets attracted to the rim, the middle rim. Um, Jordan Poole, uh, Gary Payton hit some decent shots. Um, <coughs> I mean, there was a lot more spread out, uh, which I was expecting, which I don't think I said. So it really doesn't count, but that was my probably biggest concern with the Warriors was the fact that they can easily spread the ball around, uh, whereas the, with the Celtics, they really couldn't. And uh, it kind of showed, it really showed in these finals, uh, just the fact that, I mean, they relied on only a couple people to score. And sometimes those couple people that they relied on didn't really hit when they had to hit. And... uh We'll get to that in a minute, but um, just to, I guess, wrap up my, like, quick thoughts on the series. Uh, I mean, congratulations to the Warriors. You guys were the better team, but, I mean, the Celtics kind of kicked themselves. They really did kick themselves this series. They should have done a lot better, and they chose not to, really. I mean, it comes down to they just chose not to, and it sucks. I love Emei. He was a great He's a great hire. He's a great coach. He's going to be here for a while. He's going to win the next Celtics championship as coach. Um, so I have no complaints about him. I think the guy was completely fine. He's out of the blame pie uh, for this finals loss. I mean, really, it comes down to, like, the players. That's kind of just where the blame pie is. Usually, there usually has to be a coach in, but I had no issue with Ime. I thought he was completely fine. I mean, I don't need And not every, I guess, timeout or huddle or pregame locker room message was recorded. So I don't know what he was saying. I mean, if he was saying something like, just let's go out there and do good. Like, if he was saying something like that, like, I would hope he's not doing that. Because then he is absolutely getting a piece of the playing pie. But I mean, the, the guys, like, coaching on the court, guys on the court, um, rotations, drawing up plays, timeout plays. I mean, I have no issue with what he was doing uh, coaching-wise. So it really is just on the players. A lot of these guys did not show up. Uh, a lot of these guys were um, un- underperformed. Stats might not say it. Uh, but I guess like the prime example, I hit on it last week. I'm absolutely going to hit on it again. Because Jason Tatum, he had quite the fucking series. Started off game one, 12 points, and capped it. Game six, at home, elimination, was a crisp 13 points. And he's your star player. He's your superstar player. He's the guy that is making the max contract. It's going to make a max contract deal whenever he's available. And he starts it with 12, ends it with 13, average of 25.6. I don't know how. He had 28. That was his highest total in game two, which was a loss after that. It, so game by game, 12, 28, 6, 26, 23, 27, 13. Um, I mean, I guess it is like right around 25, at least the middle games, like the in-between games. Because like the... I guess bread games were awful. But, dude, I'm sorry. If you call yourself a super a superstar player, you got to show up and act like a superstar player. You got to perform like a superstar player. You can't start the series 
with just cracking double digits and then end the series by just cracking double digits. You got to do a lot better than that if you call yourself a top five player, which people were. They had every right to. I understand that. The way that he had played before the finals, coming into the finals, is where he kind of went home. He kind of settled back down into his, I don't know, 9 or 10 or 11 spot. That's just that's just how it was, really, for him this year. Or not this year, this series. He settled down, and he put himself back into his normal position. Um, that's kind of why, like, the national, I guess for some reason, like, the national narrative is that the Celtics need a ball handler, um, because Tatum's not it. Uh, I kind of disagree, and I just need Tatum to be a lot better in the big games against the big players, against the big teams in playoffs, against teams that you should win against. You got to be the better player. You got to be the reason why they win. You got to put your LeBron James shoes on. Maybe not LeBron James. <coughs> that might be a little bit of a reach, but you, you know what I mean. Like, he needs to step up and be the number one guy on the team. And he wasn't sometimes. I mean, I, I kind of agreed, or I didn't. Uh, I said Jalen Brown was probably more deserving of the finals MVP. Um, over Tatum. I kind of still agree. I mean, the guy, I guess, kind of settled down as well. Um, didn't have that what great of a series, at least scoring-wise. I mean, at least in game six, he had um, 34 points. So that's, I don't know, 21 more than Tatum. He would have absolutely been my pick for MVP, even still. But I mean, it's just Jason Tatum isn't number one on this team. He didn't play like it. And sure, he put up points. He put up mid-20s. But in the finals, you got to hit the 30s. If you don't hit the 30s at all throughout the entire series, I mean, you didn't do good, especially as a number one. As a number one scoring option, if you don't get into the 30s, that's the sweet spot of actually, you know, being the leader. And he never got there. Brown did. He had a a good series shooting-wise. Now, sure, he had uh, fewer points per game than Tatum. Uh, Tatum, again, had um, 25.6 a game. Brown, 23.1. But they both had the same amount of... uh, Teens, teen scoring games. Uh, I mean, 12 for Tatum. That's close enough to the teens. Uh, but Brown hit the 30s. Again, game six, elimination game. Guess who showed up? Jalen Brown. Guess who didn't show up? Jason Tatum. In my honest opinion, I'd much rather have it the other way around. But knowing that at least one guy showed up, kind of earns gets my respect back a little. But not having the number one scoring option score is what kills. That's what hurts the most, really. 
But we saw it early in the game. They were on a they were on a good run. They started off hot. And then what happened? Something else that uh I guess I'm not surprised that the Celtics did. Uh but I mean it's something that no team in the finals should ever let happen against you. Especially on your home court. Uh and it's that twenty one nothing run that the Warriors went on. I mean, what the fuck was that? I could not believe what I was watching. I didn't realize it was that much, to be honest. I did not realize that it was 20, it got up to 21 nothing. I mean, sure, they were saying it, like it wasn't, I think it was what, like 17 nothing by the time they said something? Like, more than just putting up a graphic? But 21 nothing run? is not acceptable on your home court in an elimination game in the championship series. It is not acceptable. That should not have happened at all. And that is, I guess, really another thing that, I don't know, irks me the most But about the series was the fact that they let up the runs just back and forth between both teams, I mean, I'm happy that the Celtics went on runs, but for the Warriors to go on runs, I mean, you guys called yourself what the number one defense, and you're you're letting up like eight, nine, ten, nothing runs, like it's nothing. I mean, sure, it's a little, it's not a big deal, <coughs> but it's not something that should be happening as often that it did, which again isn't something else that I'm not surprised was, just inconsistencies. They still have it. They still have it, Celtics fans. They still have their inconsistencies. So, I mean, that's probably that's one that's the biggest thing that I need change next season is being more consistent with everything. I guess I said it earlier on. You want I want more consistent wins against teams that you should beat early in the season, unlike this season. And I want more consistent scoring, and I want more consistent defense. Against the best players, like a Curry, like a Thompson, who sure may have been a little hurt, may not have been, uh, may have not been himself this series, but he still put some daggers in you. Absolutely, you cannot say otherwise. You gotta score. I mean, you gotta defend. You gotta defend against that stuff. So it sucks that this is what happened. This is how the series ended. But man, it's. It's how it goes. That's sports. That's what's going to happen to you. And the only way to prevent it is to get better. And next season, the Celtics' opportunity to get better, to make it back to the NBA Finals and compete and win. I'm happy that they made it here. They now have the experience, and I get was all sure, <coughs> sure was all of the shitting on Tatum that I've been doing lately, and I have. I mean, even before this year, I get it, and I understand that he's not in his prime yet, and when he is, people should be scared. 
people should be scared of Jason Tatum when he's in his prime, which is still, I don't know, two, three years away. I mean, hopefully sooner, but I don't know with him. But when that time does come around, man, people got to be, you got to watch out. That's probably when the Celtics are going to get their championship is when Tatum will be in his prime, which I have no problem waiting for. I mean, I was so happy. I was happy to make that they made it there. They made it to the finals this year because they were by far the better team than anyone in the East. So if they didn't make it this year, I would have been more disappointed. The fact that they made it and lost, I mean, they met my expectations. So I have no no complaints other than the fact that my Celtics fan and me wanted them to win. But when Tatum's in his prime, they're going to come back. They're going to win. He's going to win the championship with this team. And the way that the East is built, I mean, if you guys, if they can get better, if the Celtics can get better and improve upon what they got, that should, I guess, speak volumes about where this team should end up next year. And it should be the next, the same spot. It really should be the same spot as this year. Maybe not as a two seed in the East, but as a one. They wholeheartedly should have earned the one seed. They could have. But... They were only two games out um, of the Heat, I think. Two or three. But they should have um, They should have put up a better fight in the finals. They should have. So I'm happy, though, with some performances. Like Rob Williams, I was surprised at how well he was playing. Um, he put up only 7.7 points a game. Um, but like rebounds and assists, he had six point two rebounds. Uh, not not so much assists. I don't know why I said assists, but I was um happy with what he was doing <coughs> out there on the court. Smart, I love you, smart, but you had too much of an impact on the Celtics this season or this series. Um, sure, you had your good points, but there are probably a little more negatives than positives. I'm still I'm still team smart through and through, but he had some issues. Horford, loved Horford. Bring him back next year. Want to see him back. Want to see him come back so he can win his first ring next season. Derek White, what the fuck happened to you? What happened to Derek White? Where'd he go? Did anyone see him? I only saw him when he was getting called for a foul. Or when he was bricking. He was when he bricked a shot. I don't know. Bring him back. Might as well. He had a good impact before the finals. Maybe a full season with this team will uh, work better. Um, like chemistry wise, maybe performance wise, maybe that's why he made this while he was just too big. He was with a new team. Um, bring him back, probably be a great six-man, probably could win six-man next year. Uh, Grant Williams kind of fell back into the Grant Williams that I know and love before this year, this season. But it wasn't that, it wasn't as impactful. Um, I mean, the one, the one thing about Grant Williams that I hated was way too much talking. Like, dude, you should not be talking. You're fifth man. You are the fifth man that should be talking. Tatum, Brown, Smart, Horford, maybe Rob. 
than Grant. You should not have been talking as much as you were. You had one good game. You had one breakout game. Media ate it all up. And, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, congratulations that you earned your, I guess, nationality news, national recognition. But performance-wise, man, you did not deserve to be as nationally known as people did know you. So, that's just Grant. Uh, Pritchard, love you. You had a lot of issues in the finals. I'm I'm starting to become a little uh, weary of you. Maybe it was just the playoffs. I mean, what, this was your, your second year? Maybe that was why. Uh, turn it around next season, and now I'm back 100%. Uh, but you had some issues, and uh, I mean, you really can't deny that. Uh, that's about it. I mean, Tice, bench guy, Stauskas, Fitz, Malik Fitz, who the hell is he? Who the hell is Juwan Morgan? They're the bench bench guys. They're the guys who come in for the bench guys. Damn. Didn't know we had that in the Celtics. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about the uh, Celtics next season. Uh, yeah, the Celtics next season, uh, maybe next episode. Um, right now, though, um, the plan right now, what I'm going to do is uh, going to bring you back to the Dr. Ye interview. Started it last week, played the first half. Second half, we finally got down to what we're going to be talking about from now on. Uh, like 10 to 15 minute interviews um, biweekly and injuries. Talking about injuries. Um, that's what we started talking about. So we got into the Bruins because uh, they got a bunch of guys who are out for a long time. We're not going to see them until well into the next season. Um, we talked about them for a while. Then we talked about Rob Williams. I played it last week. I think I'm just going to play it again because why not? It was interesting. Um, and I think it would be a little weird to cut around, cut it out completely right now. So I'm going to play that again for you guys. And uh, it was a great interview. You really should listen to it. It's going to be happening a lot more. So always listen always listen to the to these interviews. Um, I, I, find it, I find it very interesting. I think it's a great, I guess, perspective on how some things that aren't nationally, not, that really aren't well known in sports aren't, talked about that much in sports. I mean, sure, injuries are talked about, but, like, what actually is it? They'd say, oh, he's out for eight weeks with a broken hand. Like, what do you break? What should the recovery timeline be like? What should, like, the post-recovery timeline be like? Rehab. Um, Just talking, like, the ins and outs of what really is going on behind the scenes medically um, is kind of why I'm doing it. I think it's a fun, I guess, um, interview. Um, it's different. That's what I like. That's what I want um, a lot of the show to be about. Uh, just, it's different. It's something new. It's not the same old sports podcast because I don't, I don't want that to be what this is. Uh, sure, it's had its bits, but that's not this, what Volume 2 is going to be about. That's not what at all what Volume 2 is going to be about. There's going to be a lot more going on. So, all right, I'm going to play that right now, and uh, I'm going to come back because I got stuff on the internet, and uh, I wanted to talk mo- a little more about uh, the NBA. Um, there's some news going on. 
involving a player that we know and love here in Boston. Uh, so I'm going to play the interview, and I'll be right back. I want to, uh, I guess, switch gears and talk about what we're going to talk about on the show for pretty much ever. Um, injuries going on in, I guess, professional sports. Well, yes, in professional sports. Um, I want to start off with the Boston Bruins because a whole bunch of guys had a whole bunch of different major procedures uh, and are out a whole bunch of months. Um, I want to start off with Brad Marchand because he is the one who is most interesting to me. He had uh, hips, both hips. Um, he had uh, hip arthroscopy and labor repair on both of his hips. Um, I guess just talk a little about what those injuries are like. Or not injuries, those surgeries and yeah. recoveries. I guess you can't talk about the injuries. What, are the, what is a labral tear? <laughs> yeah. So the labrum is... Um a piece of specialized cartilage in the hip. Um, it's almost like a, I think, a better, a sort of an analogy, a, a sort of quick analogy to it would be uh, that it's just like a, a ring around the socket bone, you know, and that ring provides uh, a, a little bit of a shock absorbing effect. It does sh- uh, provide stability for the ball as it inserts into that socket bone. Um, and uh, you can develop tears in that area of the labrum, usually in the front part near your groin. And, and that area, when it tears, can be quite painful, especially to sit or to jump or skate. Or to skate, you know. Yeah. Or if you're a hockey goalie, you'll, you see, we see a lot of that in goalies because they're always trying to block goals by yeah. getting low. And, and the way that the tear is not just a traumatic way, but there's other ways. And the most common way we see are that some of these. Uh, athletes have bone spurs on the area of the ball and the socket that can then just put that labrum at risk because thinking of the bone spurs like a uh, like a little uh, knife, it just keeps pinching and pinching against that labrum over the years and then mm-hmm. ultimately it tears. And so, uh, you know, the patients or the athletes will, will just continue to feel this groin pain that just doesn't go away despite all the treatment that they might get. And uh, they they might say that it's really exacerbated with sitting or with any kind of any kind of deep uh, hip bending, and the surgery itself uh, is to address the tear of the labrum, but also to see if there are any reasons for that torn labrum, such as a bone spur. You've got to address that bone spur, and you've got to get that bone spur down so that it doesn't happen again. Uh, and so um, something like that we can now do through the scope. So usually through two or three small incisions. Um, and uh, do all the work through a camera. Uh, and it's uh, about a, anywhere from one and a half to two and a half hour surgery. Yeah, okay. Um, how does a bone spur develop? Is you it know, just you're born with it, or does, yeah. it, does it deform over time, I guess, like on over repeated motion, you know, like checked into the board or something? Yeah, you know, it, it's we don't really know full, fully because it's hard to do these studies on this, but... The theory, some of the theories out there are, are that um, this probably happens uh, somewhat in, in teenage years where you still have a growth plate that's still allowing you to grow tall and grow bigger and the growth plate in the area of the ball and socket joint. Uh, because of these athletes, especially if they're playing uh, these sports on a high level already at that age, they may have had a, an injury to that area, whether it's a sprain or, or, or strain, uh, of the muscles, and that can trigger the growth plate um, to almost grow extra bone. Uh, 
Um, and that mm. is a, 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 a theory as to why these bone spurs might occur. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they tear their labrum then, but it can set them up for tearing the labrum yeah, later on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you mentioned like the repeated motion of like moving neck and hip, the bone spur just, yeah. you know, rubbing up against, like I think of a bone spur like a thorn on a bush. Mm-hmm. And exactly. like and like you rubbing up accidentally rubbing up against it like I think of it like that like that's how the injury started. Yep. If that makes sense, does it? Totally. In your yep. professional opinion, does that make sense? My yeah. theory. It's a very uh, <laughs> a simple way of just kind of analogizing what that might uh, feel like to that yeah. from when it hits the spur. Yeah. Cool. All right. And uh, Marshawn is out a total of uh, I guess six months. Yep. Um, which would be into like November, maybe late November. Um, which is well into the season, so a six-month recovery, does that is that reasonable, or could do you think, and if he, like, you know, recovers well, goes to therapy, recovers yeah. that lot faster, a return maybe yeah. sooner than six months? It's possible, definitely. Um, a lot of it is how hard they work, how, how what the th- uh, therapy is like for them, how, you know, their motivation, as we talked about earlier. Um, but another factor is, you know, in these types of tears, if there is articular cartilage damage along with the labrum that's torn, that can also slow someone down because that can uh, result or be the beginning of hip arthritis. And and usually when we see articular cartilage damage in uh, patients who have labral tears, uh, where they're consistently beating up not just the labrum but also the articular cartilage, that uh, can dictate how long someone can um, get back to sports or, or how long they might stay on the, on the courts after they get back. Okay, cool. Um, all right, another Bruins player was Charlie McAvoy. He had uh, left shoulder arthroscopic stabilization procedure. Uh, he's also expected to be out six months. Uh, talk a little bit about what that surgery is and... Uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. based on sort of that description, it sounds like, much like the hip, uh, the shoulder also has a piece of tissue called the labrum, uh, and much like the shoulder, the hip, the shoulder labrum is similar in the sense that it provides stability and support for the ball and socket joint, and certain areas of the labrum in your socket can, when it's torn, uh, can make your shoulder feel looser, and as you... Um, uh, may know, you know, the shoulder is one of the most dislocatable, uh, dislocatable joints in the body. It, I think it, it is. Um, c- compare that to the hip, and that's based on the structural anatomy. If you think about the hip, the ball and socket joint, the socket is very deep, and so there's already bony stability built into the hip, so that's why you don't see a lot of hip yeah. dislocations. Um, but in the shoulder, when you lose that um, soft tissue stabilizer, which is your labrum, it, 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 and, and the surrounding capsule with it, it, it really destabilizes the shoulder because the shoulder socket is very flat. It's not concave as you might uh, imagine in a hip. And so it can make someone's shoulder feel not just like it wants to dislocate, but resultant of that, it can make it very weak. And so when you go to lift weights or push someone off, like if you're a lineman, um, you're not gonna have the strength to do so and it can result in some pain and it can result in multiple um, uh, instances of where it feels as though it, it may have come out and come back in. And the surgery, the, the goal of the surgery is depending on the bony anatomy and how much of that labrum is torn, uh, the goal of the surgery is to reattach that labrum back to that area of the bone 
that would be the best case scenario if they don't have any uh, other structural problems. And the reason, uh, you know, that uh, it that it takes up to six months to get back for both hip and shoulder is, you know, the the biology of the healing uh, is is such that it can take a while for the labrum. It's not like muscle which can heal very well. You know, it can take a while for that labrum to revascularize and do the function it does. And plus, everything around it, the muscles around it, need to be rebuilt back up and to stabilize the shoulder in, in a way so that everything is coordinated. And, and we find that with at least contact athletes, we tend to hold them out for up to six months before they go back because we don't want them to have this injury again if they're not ready. If all the soft tissue stabilizers around that ball and sock joint aren't ready, then, then we're not doing them a service or getting them back up too, too early. Yeah. I guess that's actually a great uh, lead-in. You mentioned how you like to keep athletes out for at least six months with soft tissue injuries. Um, Brett Patrice Bergeron, Bruins captain, uh, he had surgery, a procedure done uh, to repair a tendon in his right elbow. He should be out uh, at least three months, so maybe to start the next season. Um, is a recovery time like that, or first talk a little bit about surgery, but is a recovery time like that like safe or um, it, because it's a tendon, it's different than soft yep. tissue. Like, does that recovery timeline, like, I guess, make sense? Yeah, it does. Reasonable. I think a tendon is a little bit different than the labrum. I think. Uh, I don't know exactly what tendon that he tore, whether it's around the elbow or whether it's the biceps or triceps, but, but if I just take those two uh, as examples, those, I think three months is reasonable to not only get their range back, and, but to start some strengthening and, and to show in a controlled setting, whether it's at the gym or at the therapist, that they can you know brace themselves, they can do uh, lifts and, and, and cleans and things without any problems. It's really the sudden motion of, you know, uh, lengthening your elbow and then also contracting at the same time that usually causes these tendons to rupture so that's why we try to hold them off of unpredictable situations which is usually scrimmages or games where they're not ready and an opponent comes and grabs them and they're at the same time flexing at the same time that can cause uh, a tendon to re-rupture at that point. True. Alright, that makes sense. That's cool. Um, Alright. I know that we've been talking about some Bruins players. I do want to switch over quickly or not quickly, I mean, take as long as you want, uh, to Celtics, who are in the finals. Uh, yeah. Game two is Friday night. I don't know the result because we're recording this on Friday. Or not game two, game four. Game, game four, four is tonight, yeah. and today's Friday. So yeah. even though you're hearing this on Tuesday, it's, yeah. uh, I don't know where the Celtics stand. But uh, one of the most important and impactful players on the Celtics so far, I guess these playoffs, and especially the finals, has been Robert Williams, who back in early March, or late March, uh, he had surgery uh, to repair a torn meniscus in his left knee. Mm. Uh, the recovery timeline was four to six weeks, which would have held him out for the first round and a little bit of the second round. But he played; he came back before the first round yeah. and was able to play in all those games. Yeah. However, lately it's been very apparent how injured he is, especially in the finals, just running up the running up the court. Yeah. He's labor laboring. He's clearly limping, very clearly limping. I saw one example in Game 3. Yeah. He's just limping, and he can't put any pressure on his knee. Um, talk a little bit about, like, rushing back and in, rushing back from an injury and, I guess, any, like, lasting effects that it could have yeah. on a guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think these athletes are so persevering in terms of wanting to get back on the court and really contributing to their team, and it's really kudos to them, and I think... Um, you know, what you have to realize in these injuries is that 
that meniscus injury is what you hear about in the news, and that's the surgery that he ultimately had uh, for. But there's likely, or there could be, and I don't, I, can, I don't know much about this particular case, but he likely had, you know, um, you know, the the articular cartilage around that area of the knee. There may be some early damage that uh, can lead to arthritis. And if it's just meniscus, even if it's just meniscus, the fact that you are doing surgery on the meniscus, and there's two options for meniscus surgery, you either remove what's torn or you try to repair what's torn if it's repairable. Um, either one, uh, it can be hard, especially if you remove the tissue, you can imagine you have less now less shock absorber in that area, right? Yeah. So, so it might remove the offending piece that's maybe giving him that uh, irritation, like a, like a hangnail that you get when a piece of skin is at the base of your nail, and every time you graze it, you have a lot of pain, right? But then you just go in and remove it as a surgeon. That might work in the short term, but if you're always pounding, running up the court and back, you can overload that area of the compartment now with less meniscus, and that can be a result of why he may have continued pain. You know, there's the forces on which the knee sort of rests change when, when you remove some of that meniscus, depending on what's torn. And medial lateral, meaning the, the meniscus on the inside of the knee versus the one on the outside, those have different ramifications depending on which one was torn and how you do, and what type of surgery he had. So, um, you know, it's uh, likely that the, the issue of his knee is probably gonna continue until he at least gets uh, an ability to be able to rest it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what everyone's talking about, just yeah. not having to rest. Um, as I remember correctly, um, the procedures that he had, all he really did was shave down mm-hmm. the meniscus. Okay. Um, and it was the, I guess, like, easier procedure, yeah. not, like, the full-on go in and actually, yeah. like, you got to be out for, like, a couple months. Yeah. Uh, so he did get, like, the lighter, easier um, procedure in order for him to come back. Um, so... In like your opinion, um, I guess it really comes down like to certain cases. But like in your opinion, would going for the full, full-on procedure always be the better option compared to like the short, quick, and easy to put for a quick turnaround procedure? Does it? it I'm yeah. sure it depends on on I think it type of injury, right? Yeah, depends on type of injury. There's a lot of factors into that. Just into that, as simple as that might sound, uh, as we're talking about it. You know, you have to factor in the patient's wishes, and so you have to, this is where we kind of talked about expectations before, you have to um, tell the patients the option, well, first of all, the diagnosis and why these two options are viable, one of these options being a repair where you're out longer, and the other being a partial meniscectomy, which is where you're just removing parts of the meniscus that are torn, the shaving down that you, that you referenced. And, and what the difference in recovery will be. So I usually will go in and, and explain that to the patients where this is option A, this is the, the reason why we might do it, this is the benefit, and this is what the recovery is gonna be like. And that's, you gotta explain that for both. And, and depending on who you are, if you're a professional athlete, your decision might be different than someone who really cares about the long-term outcome. You know, and, and when I say that, I don't mean that the professional athlete won't care about the long-term outcome, but he or she is likely looking at, you know, their their professional career is a certain number of years in the short term, right? And yeah. it's five to 20 years, depending on what sport or what, what position they're playing. And they've got a way, they've got a very hard decision because it may not just be their decision. It could be the team's decision. It could be something else. And, and, and all, I can only give the information to 
the various people who are going to be uh, helping to decide patients and the player himself first to ultimately see what he or she wants out of this and uh, some athletes might want to just say you know what I want to do what's best now because uh, we're in the playoffs or I have a contract season coming out and again I'm just throwing out these possibilities that coming up, for athletes the play- coming up for the playoffs was his case right whereas the weekend warrior patient that walks into my office may not have those same options but they do care that you know what they want to do whatever they can now so that they don't have they can do their best to avoid you know a total joint replacement down the road you know those those are all going to be different conversations yeah all right yeah um i remember in my opinion uh back when his injury happened i wanted him to get the full-on injury the full-on repair so he could react fully healthy next season yeah because uh, i did not expect him to go on such a run that they are now i thought they would not have made the finals but they did so there you go i guess so, I'm, i guess i'm fortunate him be, playing of such a big role in them making the finals yeah it worked but, out but that is exactly what you you know you're you're sort of story there of what you thought is exactly probably what he was thinking too you know like oh maybe I should just shut it down and you know because he's had he's had injuries I guess getting back to high school in his knees yeah. so his knees are very uh, uh, I guess sensitive mm. area on his okay. body just right. I guess he's had a bunch of the injuries that's one of his concerns was the injury um, factor because he just got a massive contract last offseason and one of the concerns was the injury factor and how often he would be out. Um, but he's shown right now that he deserves all that money with the way that he's playing, all the injuries that he's fighting through. And he's shown that he is a fighter, which is yeah. probably credit to him, Coach Udoka, a, bunch of, a whole bunch of players, right. a bunch of people deserve credit yeah. for this. So especially the doctors who performed on him back in March, April. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's exciting to be on the sidelines with the players um, you know, treating them with these injuries because there's just so many other nuances to uh, an injury that you've got to consider, and and just I think always being um, upfront with the athlete to see what they want and whatever decision they choose. You know, I think you have to be supportive, and you just have to make sure they understand what this means for them in the yeah. short term as well as the long term. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well. Uh, Thank you for doing this today, Dr. Ye. Uh, you're going to be doing a lot more often. I appreciate that. This was just an introductory uh, recap of previous injuries uh, interview, I guess you could call it. Um, so thank you for coming on. Let's look forward to doing this again in a couple weeks. Yeah, Sean, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed doing this and uh, happy to come on anytime. Yeah. All right, so that was the rest of the Dr. Yeh interview. You heard the first half last week. This was the second half. Um, I, I, I found it very fun and interesting. Um, I tried my hardest to think of some questions to ask, like, off the cuff. Um, just, you know, continue the interview. Uh, continue talking about the topic. Uh, so sometimes there may be some questions that really aren't well thought out just because I thought of it five fucking seconds before I asked it uh, and I said screw it I'm just gonna put it, I'm just gonna say it I'm just gonna ask it um, so these interviews really aren't not gonna be edited at all because uh, who knows who knows what type of question I could ask and if it's I mean even reasonable but um, anyway so next episode will be in two weeks uh, next interview will be in two weeks with yay next episode will be next week obviously um, but for right now, I want to jump back into some sports news. Uh, and then go out stuff on the internet. Uh, and it's just going to be quick. Uh, so, uh, 
Uh, we know him. We loved him. He played here. He left us. Came to us. We cried for him. We laughed at him. We, for some stupid reason, threw a water bottle at him. Kyrie Irving is already seeming to be on the outs with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, what, two years, three years? How long has he been with the Nets? Doesn't seem that long. And he's already on the outs? I mean, nah, I'm not surprised. Uh, so it seems like uh, there's been a lot of uh, turmoil or just problems with Kyrie and the Nets. Uh, who's surprised? Raise your hand. Oh, look at that. Nobody. Um one of the biggest issues that I guess people had with him was the fact that after uh, Steve Nash, coach, former player, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, um, after the practices run by Steve Nash, Kyrie would have his own practices with only a handful of players, like handpicked. Like you got to be inv- you got to be accepted into practicing with Kyrie Irving. Um, I mean, I can probably guess who some of those players were. I don't know, but I'm going to say that the five players were Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, maybe James Harden, Blake Griffin, um, maybe LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, sure, that's not that's probably just like the biggest names on the team because they just be, they just started like buying players. And I mean, it didn't work out because it was never going to work out because with a team like that, it's never going to work out. But that was something that I heard that Kyrie was doing, doing, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a big no-no in my opinion. Like you don't go behind the coach and start doing things on your own, pretty much saying "fuck you, coach." I'm gonna do what I want. I mean, in the NBA, that's like every team, pretty much. I'm not. I won't be surprised if more teams, more players are doing that. But yeah, that's something that should not be happening. I think teams are starting to like crack down and saying enough is enough. You guys are the players. We're the coaches. You don't control us. We control you. Um, and so I think teams are starting to crack down on that. But it comes down to Kyrie's contract. I guess he they're at like an impasse. impasse. Uh, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. I don't have the word in front of me. I just remember hearing that it's like an impasse. Um, so I don't really know, but I know it's an issue, and I wanted to bring it up because we all love Kyrie Irving, especially me. I fucking love Kyrie Irving, um, and I just wanted to bring it up because we heard he's doing everything that Celtics fans predicted and probably Cavaliers fans predicted. Um, I didn't really think it would last this long, though. I thought it probably would have been last season that he was doing it. But, I mean, I guess if you don't win a game in the playoffs, like that's going to happen to you if you get swept out of the first round after, you know, sucking all year like they were yeah I, I think you're going to have some issues um in the uh off season following that season so Kyrie Irving looking at a new team uh one team that I guess is a favorite which I'm surprised but also really not surprised is the Los Angeles Lakers who's on that team again LeBron James yeah uh weren't they teammates wasn't Kyrie Irving like not happy with LeBron like didn't they like not like each other and now all of a sudden, they're the favorites. And can we just assume that there's probably one voice who is making that push? It's not anybody who wears a suit. I mean, maybe not during a game. 
But I feel like LeBron James would be the one who's, you know, pushing. He pushes for players. We've seen it before. That's how they pretty much built their retirement home team this past season. LeBron LeBron pushed for this guy, pushed for that guy. Guess where they got them? Not even a play on round. So, I'm a little confused by that. I'm a little confused. Uh, I guess another team is the uh, Nets. Uh, not the Nets, the Knicks. New York Knicks. And the um, Clippers. Uh, who I guess are another prime example of the Brooklyn Nets where they buy a player. That player wants this player as well. Uh, so that team goes out and buys that player. And now both of them like aren't doing it. So for him to go join that team, oh maybe maybe like to have maybe have three guys like that, um, three good players because Paul George still a good player. Kawhi Leonard, I don't know if he played this season. I don't think he did, but he's still a good player. And then to have Kyrie Irving, that could be something. Um, then the Knicks, I don't know why. He's not going to do anything for the Knicks, but. I don't know, Kyrie Irving's interesting, and I guess I heard that he wants, like, another Supermax deal, which he's not going to get. He's out of his fucking mind to think that, but then again, he is out of his fucking mind in general, so... Yeah, I'm not really, uh, surprised by a lot of this. I'm not, actually not surprised at all with what's going on with Kyrie Irving's situation. The fact that he wants out, the fact that he wants a Supermax deal, the fact that the Lakers, owned by LeBron James, uh, are among the favorites to sign or acquire Kyrie Irving. I'm not surprised by any of that at all. So, yeah, um, that's that's just the NBA. All right, uh, I'm done. I want to do uh, stuff on the internet. And it is uh, something that I did not follow at all when it was going down. Um, I had, like, no interest. I only heard, like, side bits and, like, side conversations that I kind of, like, eavesdropped on. But just because, like, can't really avoid hearing it. I'm not gonna like tell people to stop talking about it. Um, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. That trial wrapped up. I forget when. I don't care when. But uh, I guess like for those who don't know, even I don't know that well. So I'm kind of I guess guessing. So I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is correct. Um, Johnny Depp won, and is owed, like, a lot of money by Amber Heard. But he also owes Amber Heard some money. So I don't know how that works. It's probably just that whatever Johnny Depp was owed uh, is probably going to be cut down by whatever he owed Amber Heard. So, like, I don't know the exact totals, but, like, for example, like, Johnny Depp is owed, like, $25 million, But he owes Amber Heard, like, $6 million. Like, it's probably that Amber Heard just going to owe Johnny Depp $19 because 25 minus 6 is 19. I think that might be how it works. But um, anyways, uh, the reason I'm bringing this up uh, is because Amber Heard uh, was apparently spotted out and about in public. Uh, she's shopping, out shopping, uh, not in Los Angeles, not in New York. I mean, it was actually in New York, but the state, New York State. Um, and she's out shopping for clothes, like, any other normal person uh, and she's shopping at uh, TJ Maxx like any other normal person not a big rich famous celebrity movie star that she is apparently I've never heard of her before this trial anyways but I guess she is a big famous celebrity movie star and uh, 
she's out shopping at a TJ Maxx where you can buy a shirt for like $20. Where you would think like somebody in like her position is probably out like, I don't know, designers and buying like $200 clothes at the minimum. At the max, it's probably in the thousand, but she's out buying like $20 shirts and maybe dresses. Um, so that's interesting that somebody like her fell so far down financially that she's now back at TJ Maxx shopping for her summer clothes. I mean, it probably it's probably happened before with other celebrities, but man, yeah, can't help but feel for her. Shopping at TJ Maxx probably is hating herself for doing so. Whereas, I mean, I've never been to TJ Maxx, maybe like once or twice, but no, nah, it's not a guy's. It's not a guy's store to begin with. I don't know why I would be going to TJ Maxx. I mean. No offense to TJ Maxx, but you are, I mean, your demographic is women, not men. So, um, no offense to you guys. Maybe. I'd probably go there. I mean, there was one, like, in my town, but I'd probably go there just because if I need something, like, sometimes, like, nice shirt. I mean, there's probably, there's probably, like, some nice, nice Hawaiian shirts at, like, a TJ Maxx. I don't know. Uh, but my guess is maybe it's, like, some nice, nice Hawaiian shirts. I'd like to buy a couple of those, maybe. So, maybe I'll go to TJ Maxx. Uh, to buy some, I would honestly like a, maybe some more Hawaiian shirts. Now that the summer's coming around, got to get out more. Got to go to the beach. Got to go on vacation. Uh, Hawaiian shirts are perfect for stuff like that. And like at any time, like you could be going to like a restaurant. You couldn't be going. You wouldn't be going to a beach. You could be going to like a restaurant on vacation. Just pop on a Hawaiian shirt and you're good. You're you're set. That's that's something that I would do. I mean, I mean I have I have a few not. Many like two, um, so yeah, I'd probably go to TJ Maxx buy a Hawaiian shirt, uh, just because I need one. I am going on vacation. Hopefully, I am hopefully going on vacation soon. So I would like to maybe buy another Hawaiian shirt or two, uh, and I'll maybe go to TJ Maxx. So go support your local TJ Maxx. Go buy a Hawaiian shirt, or if you're a girl, go buy a summer dress or boots or something. I don't know. All right, that's it for me. Thank you guys for listening. Um, that was an interesting show. I didn't think it was going to be this long, at least for my bit. Um, it was a good show. I liked this one. This was actually a lot of fun. A lot of fun coming into it. I didn't know how well it was going to go, but it went pretty well. I liked this. I liked this. Can't wait to go back and edit it. Uh, all right, I'm done. Thank you guys for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your mothers. Tell your mothers' friends and your friends' mothers. And I'll see you guys next time. 